David Garfield is as passionate a musician as he is talented. His latest project is a massive undertaking and involves collaborations with the best musicians in the music business. Outside the Box is the working title and Creechy has already amassed over 40 tracks and he's still going. This labor of love is a collection of original tracks as well as new arrangements of classic songs. The guest list on this project is off the charts, including Vinnie Caliuta, Greg Fillin Games, Joe Percaro, Paul Jackson Jr., Freddie Washington, Kirk Whalem, Doc Kupka, Eric Marienthal, Will Lee, Steve Perrone, Chris Trujillo, Walt Fowler, Brandon Fields, David Page, Shannon Forrest, Jimmy Lee Slois, and so many more. Here to chat with us about this amazing project is our good friend, David Garfield. Hey, Creechy, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Hey, welcome. Yeah, it's uh, I, we were just chatting before we started that, you know, it's been uh, nine years since we last had you That's on amazing. the show. We did a video with you uh, from right. the Jazz Kitchen about three or four years ago. Sure. But, but yeah, it's, it, as a guest, it's been about nine years, so we're glad you're back. Oh, yeah, but but Creechy has been busy these past years, Rick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most, most recently, uh, David, tell us about... Uh, your Asia tour that you finished. It was a, a huge hit, and maybe uh, tell us who you uh, took to the Java Jazz Festival. Oh, gosh. That's been that's been a little while now. Has I was, it? I went to Java Jazz with Larry Coriel. Yeah. It was a few months before he passed away. Uh-huh. And Larry and I co-led a band, and we did um, – in fact, we were in Indianapolis at the kitchen, mm-hmm. and um, – we also went to um, Cleveland and uh, yeah. a few other cities in the Midwest, but we sure. went to Java Jazz and in um, over in Jakarta. Yeah, that was it. Was very sad that he passed away. Right, you know, mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. after that. Yeah, he was quite a quite a player. Yeah. Some other things that have been keeping you busy are you know you've been uh, you've worked in the past uh, recently with with George Benson and how how is that going? You finished uh, the last half of last year and do you still have uh, continuing dates into 2018 or did that gig sort of uh, culminate? No, we're getting ready to hit it a week from Sunday. A week from Sunday, we're doing a show here in L.A. downtown L.A. Really. Um, and then we'll be going to Florida in February. Yeah, I have an ongoing relationship with George. Great. As musical director and arranger, keyboardist. You know, I've worked with him in the studio and live for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I was, uh, I'm going to be out in LA for NAM. And uh, uh, I was hoping maybe I could come up and check out that show, but I'm leaving that day. That- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we well, you know we're going to be back in, in Carmel at some point. Yeah. You, you pronounce it Carmel, right? Uh, yeah, here it's Carmel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That wonderful performing arts center. Oh, you're oh you're going to be here with George for that. Well, I'm sure we played it before. I'm sure we'll do that. Okay, yeah, I didn't cool. know if you had something scheduled, yeah. but yeah, that's a beautiful place. I know. Hey, um, in Florida, and then we're doing New Orleans Jazz Festival, and then we're going to be in uh, Europe and UK. Okay, uh, United Kingdom. But I keep busy with George, and I also work with David Sanborn a little bit. I I kind of fill in. With him when when he needs me, he's an old homie of mine from St. Louis. Yeah, he's amazing. And so, but then you know, I keeping I've been really keeping busy with my project. That's what I th- I thought you were gonna uh, you were thinking of because I've been recording since November of 2015. Yeah, yep, that's what we're about to talk about. Yeah, we just wanted to do a little housekeeping and then we want to dive right into that exciting project, uh, the collection of tracks you'll be le- releasing called. Outside the box, and you know, from what you've told me, it's a pretty expansive project that'll feature, 
you know, several great artists. So, you know, tell us about the concept and, and the timing behind mm-hmm. this project. Well, it's the project started in November of 2015 when I had been making a list of songs and artists that I wanted to work with, kind of like a bucket list. Yeah. A lot of artists and I never got to work with and people that I idolized, and people that I thought were iconic and that may not be around for for a long time. And I wanted to get in the studio and record, you know what I mean? Right. Like, um, I'll give you an example. One of those artists, Ayrton Moreira, you know, a, a legend mm-hmm. from the original Return of Forever and Miles Davis's Bitches Brew and everything. Sure. Well, Ayrton's been in bad health for years. You know, I was able to get him to record on the project. He's on two songs, but, you know, he came in the studio, you know, uh, on a walker. I mean, he's, he's definitely, wow. you know, we're getting older, you know what I mean? Right. And yeah. I was so happy to get him on the record and then, you know, like I say, with Larry, it was so unfortunate that he played on the record and, and he passed away about three weeks later. It was really so shocking to me. Um, but, the you know, the list started out with songs that I wanted to record and people I wanted to work with. And then, you know, it started growing. So I got in the studio. The first session was with Vinnie Caliuta, um, Paul Jackson Jr., Freddie Washington on bass. Right. And um, Tony Maiden on guitar from Rufus. We we cut three songs down at Capitol, and that that launched the project. And then I did a series of sessions where I did three songs with a particular group of guys, you know. Okay. And every group was different. The next the next group of guys was Steve Ferroni, Will Lee, James Hera, Michael Finnegan, an organist that yeah, I love. Yeah. And then the next one was Poncho Sanchez, um, John, Jimmy really? uh, Branley. Pete Chrisley, uh, Walt Fowler. Then the next session was with Vinny and uh, Jimmy Johnson and Michael Landau. You know, so yeah, yeah, wow, that's a pretty heavy duty lineup of people you got there. And and you know, like you mentioned, you know, the sort of the idea was to collaborate with these guys because they're getting older. And I think one of the examples I read um, was was with uh, Chuck Loeb. You know, he, I think he laid down a solo for you, like right before he he passed away yeah, i guess not too yeah. long after that and and uh you know no knowing this it's easy to see that you know this was sort of the heart and soul of the project for mm-hmm. you you know getting together with these these guys and making this music you know because while well, they're active and they're still doing their thing we can yeah and david sanborn played on the project he's getting quite quite frail and george is you know, george benson played on it and you know i know Whoa. it's just the bottom line is you know, I don't want people to get the wrong impression and come and play on my project. That'd be the last thing they do. But I've got youngsters on there too. But when you see the list of people that's on this, it's 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 kind of yeah beyond what you can comprehend because yeah. it, I right now have six CDs worth of material. Wow! Wow! And I'm not done. I'm not done recording. Yeah. So it, it's going to end up being even more than that. It's kind of crazy. Um, like I, uh, let me give you some of the ideas. Um. Like some of my friends' sons now are, are musicians, like Mike Beccaro's son, right. Sam, is a great bass player. And I'm even thinking about involving Steve Lukather's son, Trev, on a song. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Wow. So I'm reaching out to younger generation as well as the older generation. I did two songs with Joe Beccaro. And that was another thing where I wanted to get a recording with him. I wanted to get him into the studio and do something current. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a ball. Hey, you know, you mentioned a second ago that you've recorded some of this at Capitol, and I think 
this isn't, didn't you mention, I read somewhere that this was the first time that you actually recorded at Capitol? Oh, no, I've recorded there many times. Okay, I must have misunderstood that because that's what I thought. I thought you've you've been around, you know, for such a long time and, and especially, you know, in the L.A.-based, I figured you would have been at Capitol at some point. So I, I just misunderstood that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did the whole Candyman record there at Capitol. Oh, that really? Was okay. The first time I worked there, but then I did a lot of my tribute to Jeff there. We kind uh-huh. of let's together there. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is, you know, I, I went to some of the iconic studios like uh, Village and Capital, and you know, um, you know, I wanted to get. See, that's the other thing with this project is I wanted to document these studio musicians, uh, these guys that had been playing, you know, for decades, and the studios themselves, the environment where a lot of great music was created. Yeah. And so we had Leland Scolari in. You know, we had Will Lee in. We had um, Abraham Laboreal. You know, we had uh, Jim Keldner. Uh, you know, Greg Fillingaines, Nathan East, uh, with the Tower, Doc Kupka from Tower of Power. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's kind of across the board. It's like all people within the industry that I have met or played with over the years, a lot of guys that I never got to work with. So, but doing it in these studios was really special because there's a lot of history. Oh, yeah. A lot of stories being told. Absolutely. That's yeah. amazing. This, You know, well, you know, you, we were talking about the musicians that you collaborated with but let's talk about the selections because there's there's a lot of music here you know um the project you know it was a you know it's a combination of original compositions but as well as some new arrangements of of, uh, some classic songs so how did you go by doing this tell us about the the classic songs that you chose to recreate and and why you chose them and and what they really mean to you well you know um some of the songs here here's kind of how it all comes together mm-hmm. i started out when i came to la wanting to do my own band charisma with all my own material sure right and i wrote all my own material and i didn't do any cover songs right and um then the one eventually we did a weather report cover that was one cover and then we did bob marley's jamming those were the only two covers we did yeah mm-hmm. and so but then down over the years as i you know as i got through all these records with Charisma, and we did Los Lobotomies, and I did a bunch of other projects, mm-hmm. the LA Keyboard Project and stuff. I finally figured that I wanted to start playing other people's tunes, because I was only playing my own music. So I started being, bringing in material like, you know, Miles Davis Tutu, or, you know, um, David Sanborn song, The Snakes, and just, I started bringing in other people's tunes. Then I started doing arrangements of like a Stevie Wonder tune, an Eric Clapton tune, and that's how I kind of got into this. Started bringing in all my favorite tunes, uh, and I do my version, kind of a jazzy R and B fusion version of even a pop tune or a R and B tune. Yeah. You know? So what happened is, and eventually, as time fast forwarded, and I put out the tribute to Jeff CD, and I did a lot of cover songs on there because of the nature of the project. It, it, we needed to do certain songs that were not originals, and. You know, I didn't just say, oh, I'm going to write all the music. I, I did like Lowdown and I did all these other songs, Bags Groove, that were relevant to Jeff. So as time progressed, I started doing all that material in, on my gigs. And so little by little, on my gigs now, I do a lot of cover songs and I do like my own little arrangements and kind of jam on them and they're kind of different. They take different twists and turns. That's kind of my signature. I don't do the songs exactly like they were recorded, you know? Yeah, exactly. So... Now we come to this new record, so now I'm going in to record, and so what am I recording? 
I did um, a Stevie Wonder's Go Home, one of my all-time favorite Stevie oh, songs. Yep, yep. Love the groove on that, you know. And yeah. then I then I did a, an Isley Brothers song that Natalie Cole turned me on to that she was going to sing on, and then that's another story. She didn't she didn't make it to the. And we we recorded yeah. it a month before she passed. Oh. But it, it was a great. I ended up doing it as a duet with Phil Perry and Alita Adams, but they. We're doing it now. We're dedicating this song to Natalie, but it just came out so good. And mm -hmm. that's Izzy Brothers. Then we did a a song that my buddy wrote with Shaka Khan. There's a buddy of mine, Moon Calhoun, who is co-writer of this hit from Rufus uh, called "Stay," and we we did a new version of it with him singing. You know, so there's a lot of stories. I mean, the reason I wanted to do that is my buddy. Never got to sing it himself, you know. Mm -hmm, and I, so mm -hmm. We did a version with him singing, and um, so then I did. There's some Duke Ellington songs that I love. We did some Latin jazz versions of "Sophisticated Lady" and "In a Sentimental Mood." I've got a version of "Teen Town" with about 16 bass players all taking <laughs> turns. That thing is ridiculous. God. Wait for that. That's it's a um, it's like a what do you call it? An epic. It's a it's a. <laughs> It kind of goes through all these different changes. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, yeah, there's a lot of cover material, but there's still a bunch of my own originals. But I'll tell you some of the other covers we did. Rock Steady, yeah. the Aretha Franklin song. We did that with Kenya Hathaway singing, and she's Donnie's youngest daughter, and she just did a great job. It was just killed it with Bill wow. Champlin yeah. and Jerry Hay doing a horn section. Wow. It's Zigaboo on drums from the meters. I mean, that's that's the other fun is I've been mixing people together that don't get to normally mix. And um but I can go on and on. We got we've got six albums worth of material right now. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, you mentioned Go Home just a couple seconds ago, which is an amazing track in itself. And and uh I mean you, you put some people on here on this track that are just amazing. Um, giants like Kirk Whalem, you know, you got him on there and Paul Jackson Jr. And of course we have Doc Kupka and uh, and even Freddie Washington. Um these 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 guys are A list players and and uh you know, tell us about Working with with them and and how you recorded this thing was this all independently and tell us about your process of of getting these guys in the studio all together were you tracking what was what was your process Dave we tracked it let's say talk about go home we tracked go home down at Capitol with Vinny uh, Tony Maiden uh, Freddie Washington on bass and myself mm -hmm. gotcha. before okay we laid down the track. I had some ideas about doing a breakdown in the middle. We got it all. We got it all just kind of just the way we liked it. Mm -hmm. Got a really funky track. Tony is the original guitar player from Rufus, and he's really yeah. one of the unsung heroes of funk guitar. Like, he's as funky as they come. So we got this really incredibly funky track. Then I think the next thing I did with that was I added Paul Jackson on there because I was doing some work with him yeah, uh, as a, just by himself overdubbing on a bunch of songs, so I had him add another layer of guitar, and so then now we got that much, and then I think the next thing to go on there was Kirk. I got Kirk, and he's in Memphis, so he yeah I sent him down my notes and my chart and my and materials, and he put together a couple versions. He gave me sent me two versions, like you know two choices A or B. And I was in England at the time on tour with George. I remember being in my room, listening to his different takes, and then mixing and matching, taking a bit of this one, a bit of that one. 
and I put together my best of, like what I like, <laughs> all the bits and pieces, and then I got that work. And I remember I went down and the next day and played it for George. I go, George, you got to hear this. Kirk just killed this. And um, so then, then later, I think the next thing to go on that guy later was was the horns. I had a big series of horn section dates where I had I had Doc, I had Dan Fernero, Wayne Bergeron, two of the top trumpet players in town. Eric Marienthal is in the in the horn section on that, and Nick Lane. And so we had Nick Lane's on trombone. So we had like four horns, five horns. Well, actually, we had four horns, and then we did a set of parts, and then we did a second set of parts. So it's like having an eight-piece horn section. And then I had Doc come in and lay down his part, so that'd be like the ninth horn. So it's really the equivalent of a nine-piece horn section. Wow. Then once we got all those elements, I put in the background vocals, and then later I added the percussion. It's Lenny Castro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And added the percussion. So sometimes the way I would work is I'd be like, I'd get Lenny to come in and we'd do three, four songs in one session. Gotcha. Pick different songs. Let's do Go Home. Let's do, you know, Waiting for Your Love. Oh, that's a Toto song that I recut. That, oh, that's really? Sorry, I want to tell you. Oh, that's cool. But, but, but just to finish up Go Home. So then. I think now we've got the vocals, we've got the horns, we've got the lead horn, we've got all the guitars, percussion. So the last thing that goes on it is my keyboard overdubs. But then I add some little touches, maybe a little mm -hmm. string or a pad. Mm -hmm. And I do all that at home. So I'm like the last thing to go on with the sweetening. Of course, my Fender Rhodes and stuff is on the basic track. So, And then I give it to the mixer. And then he mixes, and then I go back and we tweak, and we say, let's turn this up, or let's let's mute that, or, mm -hmm. or let's make this a little brighter, or make this a little less bright. And it's it's quite a work. I mean, it's a lot of it's a labor. It's like making a sculpture where they chisel out one little chip at a time. Sure, little, you know, absolutely. I was looking at the list of people that's on just this track alone, and there's mm -hmm. like you named Lenny Castro. Also, there's like six guys that we've had on the show before. <laughs> that's amazing, <laughs> really. Yeah. Six of those, yeah, Kirk and Paul Jackson, and uh, we've had Doc Kupka on before. We've Freddy. had Freddie. Uh, we've had uh, Greg Fillingaines, and um, and you mentioned Lenny Castro. So Holy all those guys, cow. yeah. I forgot to say that Greg Fillingaines, we had him play clavinet on Go On. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot somebody. Oh, sorry, Greg. <laughs> we had Greg come in one time to do work on three songs, and I pulled up Go Home, and I said, Greg, I really want to see if there's something you'd like to do on this. And we listened to it, and he goes, man, that thing is its done. It's cooked. I don't hear anything. He goes, if you really want me to do something, I could do maybe a pristine acoustic piano or a clav. And I said, you know, but if I do the clav, you got to take out one of the guitars. So... Anyway, long story short, I got him to do Clav. He comes in on the breakdown and plays to the end of the song, mm -hmm. and it just was so perfect. It was just so yeah. perfect. This, yeah. the, the little uh, seasoning of that clavinet when it comes in, you might not notice it, but I notice it every time. But yeah. Greg's one of my all-time favorite buds, you know. Oh, my God. That's, Greg is is the, one of the best guys around. When we had him on our show several years back, my goodness, we laughed our butts off. You know, he, <laughs> he remember that, Rick? I mean, yeah. I mean he, he, you know, he's played with every artist that we can name of, of course, and so can our, our audience uh, that's listening. Uh, but, uh, you know, talking about Greg, tell us a little bit about your relationship with him, uh, Dave. How far back do you go with uh, with Greg? When it was uh, the first time you cr crossed paths with him? You know, 
Greg, I met Greg when he had just joined Stevie's band, mm-hmm. right before they did Songs in the Key of Life. And gotcha. We were, we were out of this club in Venice called The Comeback Inn. That's where I was playing with my band. And uh, Greg came out with, with the percussionist from Stevie's band. The two of them showed up, and I remember we were hanging and talking. And then over the years, I stayed in touch with them. And then I remember running into him on an airplane once while, while they were in the middle of recording songs in the key of life. And he was telling me about the project and everything. And so I knew about the record while it was being done before it came out. And then that was one of my favorite all time records that really, really affect, uh, influenced me quite a bit. Uh, it was mind blowing for me, like a Sergeant Peppers type of yeah. thing. And, um, but we stayed in touch over the years and we were always friends and everything. And then eventually we worked together. I'm trying to remember the first time we worked together, but I brought him in to play with me on my giving back. Oh, he, I brought him in. That's right. I brought him into the tribute to Jeff record to play on Babylon sisters. That's right. With me, Babylon sisters. Okay. We, oh, that was the first time we really recorded together. And then I brought him back to do a couple songs on giving back. And so, yeah, we, we, we run into each other from time to time. And then, Occasionally he'll come to a George Benson gig, you know, or, um, you know, and he's just a guy that I have a lot of respect for because I think he's all music, you know, he's 110% music. Well, hey, David and Eddie, if you guys don't mind, let's pause for a second and then play some music. Um, and I want to play the track Go Home, which is a Stevie Wonder cover. And uh, it's the one we've been talking about here pretty extensively. And this is from our guest today, David Garfield on Inside Music Cast.
Hey, David, when you get, um, you know, when you're working with these guys, whether you're tracking or working remotely, like guys like Kirk or whatever, you know, most of these, no, not most of these, practically all of these guys like yourself, you know, the A-listers, you know, you, you can probably, they're good enough to, you guys are good enough to, to play anything in one take. But what kind of direction have you given these guys before they start uh, working on the music? Do you let the music do the talking for you, the basic tracks that you've, uh, you've tracked and the foundation tracks? You let that go and let them do what they want? Or how do you give them directions? Or you give them in no directions at all? How does that work? Um, you know, it, it's really interesting because it's, it's an interesting process. It's like, you know, when you're in the studio, often people won't know what to do and they need you to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Other times people think that they know exactly what to do and it's not what you want. Mm-hmm. Other times people have an idea of what to do and it's just basically what you're looking for. So the way that I've come down to this now, I have kind of a process where I basically, I'll tell people kind of, you know, if like maybe like if it's a particular, like say, I might tell the trumpet player, I, I really hear this on a flugelhorn or or with a harmon mute or something. They might try it, and then you might immediately go, it doesn't, it doesn't sound right. Let's try the other one. So there's a bit of trial and error. But you never know what it's like till you hear it. But one of the things I do is I let people kind of do their thing. Like I'll let somebody kind of work it out, work it out for a while and get to the end of the song. Maybe we've got one take that they've assembled. You know, maybe they've tried it a few times and they punched in and they've got a whole take and then that they're happy with it. I'm basically, you know, it's, it works. And then I'll say, okay, that's when I go into action. That's when I'll mm-hmm. say, let's do another one, you know, from the top now and this time. You know, why don't you, then I'll throw in a little suggestion. This time, why don't you play a couple extra fills? Or this yeah. time, why don't you be a little bit sparser? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll give them a little direction. Yeah, um, yeah. This time, why don't you answer more with, try to answer the vocal, you know, and dialogue with them. Or, and so I'll give them that kind of input. And, and the great players really can, can work with the input. Sometimes it flusters people to get input. I've seen that happen where... I've given somebody input and it kind of freaks them out, you know, <laughs> but it's just like driving. Like if we're going to go somewhere and you're driving the car, you know, <laughs> I go, you know, yeah, that's a great analogy. So it's, it's quite interesting. It's a great question you asked because like, even with Greg, um, you know, I give him very little input because he's such a master, you know, he's yeah. played on so many records. Some other people might need more input. Um, like they're 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 coming. To some of the guys that played on the record that don't do a lot of recording. I brought in guys that work with me live all around the world to be a part of the project because I one of the things is I'm always traveling and playing with musicians. I pick up bands in different locations, and then what happens is I'll say, "Oh yeah, that's Gad," or "Yeah, that's Vinny," or "That's that's Larry Carlton," whatever, and they're always they're always really thrilled. But at the same time, I wanted to give some of these guys a chance to even be involved in the record. Yes. You know? yeah. It's not just like I get to play the live gigs and all these famous guys playing the records, but I actually got to be involved in the record too. 
And in in those circumstances, sometimes I've had to coach them a bit more because they were not familiar with the studio, yeah. or they maybe sometimes guys are like, "Oh, what I'm playing, it's no good." And I said, "No, it's good. It's good. Just relax, you know." Yeah, I follow you. That's good. Good input. Hey, um, you know, I, I know that this project started out, I think, as you mentioned, as a handful of songs, maybe eight or ten songs, and then it's expanded, you know, to be, you know, I don't know, dozens, over 40 songs or something like that. But, you know, when I was thinking about that, I thought about the coordination of this project. You know, you've talked about all the amazing, you know, musicians, these guys are in demand. Uh, you know, so I'm guessing that, A, there's the coordination, and I'm also guessing that the parts for the track were recorded in various locations. I know you did a lot of work at Capitol and that sort of thing, but I'm assuming that, you know, many of the musicians recorded their parts on their own and sent them to you. And I wondered, you know, tell us about not only the challenges for coordinating all of this, but managing, you know, the quality control, particularly with, you know, tracks being recorded in so many different studios. Oh, you you hit the nail on the head because, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff's being done offside. Right now, there's a guy putting some guitar on. In there's two different guys putting guitars on two different things in New York right now. Uh -huh. There's a guy putting something on in Miami. Um, you know uh, the guitarist Martin Barr from Jethro Tull. Oh yeah, yes. He just sent me some stuff from England. Um, so I'm I'm juggling people all over the world and um it's funny mike miller you familiar with him yep he lives down the he lives in the same city i lived he right. he, he insisted on recording and emailing me right. <laughs> <laughs> oh can i play just come on down come on down <laughs> he emailed it to me but here's the thing There's a lot of challenges with pro tools and with digital platforms and I've learned a lot on the way on this project. And one of the guys that hit me to something was Jimmy Johnson. Mm -hmm. Because early on, I was recording. I'm all in Pro Tools. Everything's 96K, 24-bit. And so I'm doing this, this thing on Team Town, and I'm getting these guys to do these four-bar bass solos. So I would send a stem of the song where they were going to play in an email along with the tempo and say, you know, record... Uh, your part and um and then send it back to me 96k and then right. i found out later from jimmy johnson that if you send an mp3 and they import it into their session it puts a little teeny bit of a delay on it a little yeah possibly a latency due to the compression well it has to do with the mp3 being exactly yeah. Yeah. there's something about the compression so what I learned the hard way was, and he came over and showed me, because we had, we had one bass part recorded by Henrik Linder from the Dirty Loops in Sweden, and that was done on Logic. And then I had another bass part by John Pena done on Digital Performer, and I had Jimmy Earl done on Pro Tools. And I had all three of them had worked to the MP3s. All right. And so Jimmy showed me, and we, we we zoomed in on everything. Each one of those was off by a, a micro, right. but all different amounts. Yep. The, each each system was different. Yep. So what I've done since, from that date on, what I've done is I send out stem sessions. I'll send out a Pro Tools session with maybe one, two, three, four, five audio tracks in it. And that way they don't create their own session. So I've, I've learned how to manage this. I'll tell you again for any of the Pro Tools heads out yeah. there. So, like, I have a session that's got, like, you know, 70 tracks. I go inside Pro Tools, and, I like, on this one thing, I created one track, which is the rhythm section, and the other track, which was everything else. Mm 
and I just made those two bounces, and then I deleted everything else from the session, and I saved copy in, and I put it on my Dropbox. So when the person's going to work to it, they they load down this Pro Tools session at the proper resolution with two audio files in it instead yeah. of seven. You know, right. and so, so those big sessions could be like 20 gigs or, you know, sure. 25 gigs with these smaller sessions. It's, it's wonderful. And so then all they have to do, do all their parts and then they literally can just export their parts to me, you know, as files or they can right. put back in the session. But I'll tell you that a lot of musicians don't really know how this works. Yeah, you know? yeah that's true. Exactly. I was one of them. <laughs> well, you know, there's 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 other variables too that you know in 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 the latency issue you're talking about. A lot of times, people, um, you know, if even if you send them a session, even if you tell them to record in 96, 24, whatever, um, if if they have a a house clock, like a you know if they're clocking, the, you know, internally, or if they're using like a house clock, those clocks right. can be off by you know milliseconds. Also, the frame rate in the session, too. If you set up, you know, you're talking about post-production, you know, but um, when you're working with frame rates, uh, the frame rates, if they're off slightly, that can cause an issue as well. So if, if they're not set up in a, if you're set up in a, uh, your session with a 30 frames per second or 29.97 or something like that, if they're not aware that they're recording that way, <laughs> they, you know, wow. if they send you a track back, you could be off, you know, over you really don't notice it over short spans of times, but sure. but over a, a lengthy project, you know, you can you'll you'll hear the slippage. You know, you'll hear it. Uh, you hear the latency happening. You know. So anyway, <laughs> you've just uncovered another level that I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew all this stuff, but you know, I think the key of this is when people have their setups, like say Simon Phillips with his studio or whoever. They get their things set up. Yeah. They have their rig. It's all set. Right. And everybody comes and records there. Right. And yeah. that's just. And then you don't have any issues. Right. What happened to me is I'm Mr. Mobile, and yeah. my setup here is just for editing and for reviewing and for doing keyboards. Right. So every time I record, I'm taking a drive somewhere. You know, yeah. I'm going over to Jimmy Branley's house, working in his studio. I'm going over to Steve Sykes. I'm going to. Um, Carmen Grillo is where I record a lot of the horns or uh -huh. down to JJ players in Hollywood. I mean, I, I'm literally working at a half a dozen places and it's really, you gotta be on your game, you know, yeah. Yeah. know what you're doing. Um, Gary Novak had a wonderful setup. I recorded a bunch of drums there. And, um, so, you know, the next thing I'm recording, I had, you know, I told you the project's not done. It, it may never be done. The next <laughs> thing I'm recording is the day after the Benson gig, I'm going to record a, a, a tribute to Herbie Hancock I wrote called Hunting Heads. Oh, wow. Very, Very cool. Hunters cool. meets Weather Report. Yeah. You know? And uh, the drummer that's going to play with us with George, he's subbing. His name is Little John Roberts. Are you familiar with him? No, not at all. He's the guy from mostly Janet Jackson and. Okay. A lot of a lot of R and B hip hop, yeah, okay. the jazz records. You, you, he's a younger guy. He's wonderful, and so we're gonna do this um, tribute to Herbie Hancock, and he and I are gonna cut it, just the two of us. You know, very cool, very cool. Hey, I wanted to talk about another track that you released. Um, it was I think sometime last year, and it was sung by an artist that you're working with named uh, Giselle Paris. And oh gosh, yeah. This was a, a this was a country song, and it's called "I Lied." And and uh, you know, first of all, tell us how you got involved with Giselle and your foray into country. And I mean, we know 
you for, you know, your jazz fusion, the pop and rock roots. But, you know, so I wondered if you had other experiences in your career with country. No, I have I have nothing to do with country, although I believe country music uses all the same stuff as, as jazz, you know, and pop. I mean, mm, it, yeah. the musics are all very similar. Um, the thing is, is that um, um, this is an interesting scenario. The, the story about this song is, I wrote this song with Smokey Robinson. Oh, wow. And um, Smokey and I wrote it as a pop R&B song, R&B pop song, kind of like in the vein of Whitney Houston, Celine Dion. Okay. We actually wrote it for another artist. And um, when we were demoing it, we had three to four different singers that we demoed with, you know, and, and nothing really clicked. And so I, back in the back of my mind, I always liked the song and wanted to include it on this record. There's another song I wrote with Smokey that's on the record, too. So we have two collaborations on this project. But this is for a female vocalist, so he couldn't sing it. And uh, what I did was I found a young singer, Giselle Paris, who we're, we're, we're listing her now as Jay Paris. She wants to go by Jay Paris. Mm -hmm. we, we, list, we, we found her. And she sang on the demo, and it just had such a nice vibe to it. She she demoed her voice for me so I could see what she sounded like. Yeah. I said, oh, I love this. I really love this. And there was something about her voice that just made me think of country music. I yeah. don't know what it was. She's not a country singer. She's a young hip-hop, R&B, like, producer, writer. And you know, she sings, like, demos and things. And she's mainly a producer and a writer, but she's... She's not into country at all. Uh -huh. Interesting. But in her voice, the way she sang, the way she sang our song, uh -huh. just sounded whiny to me. Yeah. There was this thing, <laughs> and I said, I swear, out of the blue, I said, you know what? I want to put pedal steel guitar on the song. I want, I want to go kind of a country direction. Wow. And then I decided to go cut it in Nashville. So I went down. You know Shannon Forrest? Oh yeah. Photos drummer. Yeah. Sure. Wonderful guy, wonderful engineer and producer and yep. drummer. He has a wonderful studio in Nashville. So I went down there and he hooked up all the best Nashville players. Mm -hmm. And we tracked the song down there. And we put the pedal steel on. And then I came back to L.A. and I had Giselle sing it. And we did the vocal production. I think it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like that contemporary country. I don't know, like Kelly Clarkson or mm -hmm, I don't mm -hmm. even know if it's like Taylor Swift or yeah. but just contemporary pop country yeah, the new but, country but, yeah yeah but i mean to me it's pop yeah i right. mean to me all music yeah. is music i'll just tell you that right now uh i got a i got a different slant on it you know all the motown session guys were jazz guys that heard it through the grapevine and all that stuff they were just jazz cats whatever people call that motown but it all came out of jazz rock yeah. and roll it all came out of jazz pop you name it it's all to me. It's all it's all twelve notes, and it's all four beats to the bar. And yeah. it's just, mm -hmm. well, to I, me, that's that's my orientation. Well, you know, I remember when you sent the song to me. You asked me what I thought about it, and I wrote you back. And I didn't know if I offended you or not because I don't think you responded. <laughs> but you know, no. when I, but when I listened to it, because you because it's you know you're using all I mean all of the instrumentation. It's it's all they're all real instruments, and it's it sounds very acoustic and. One of the things that reminded me of was like when I was a kid, my mom listened to, to like in the early 80s, she listened to a local radio station here that was a country station. And that was at a time when when uh, you really started to see 
the the sort of fusion or that crossover of pop and country. And, um, you know, like artists like Juice Newton and Eddie Rabbit and some of those. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, even though I know it has a contemporary feel, it reminded me, it mm-hmm. felt like that music from the from the early 80s, you know, that, that, that kind of early 80s, you know, crossover pop country stuff. And it, it had a really good feel to it. Well, that's great. So anyway, that was my two cents on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this isn't the typical musical road that we follow here on Inside Music Cast, but, and, and neither do you, obviously. This is your first foray into uh, country music, uh, but let's check this track out. Again, this is from our guest today, David Garfield, featuring the vocals of Giselle Paris, and this is the track called I Lied on Inside Music Cast. your prerogative If that's what you want If that's what you need Then I hope it turns out to be positive I said If you're gonna be alright Then I'll be
You mentioned a second ago that outside the box, uh, you don't know when it's going to drop. You know, you're, it's still a work in progress. Um, but when you do, I mean, is what is your thought about what it's going to be? Is it going to be a multi-CD set? Is it going to be released digitally? I mean, I mean, you know, it, I'm assuming it's going to see the, you know, the, the light of day at some point, right? <laughs> well, I have great information for you. Um, okay. So, so here's here's what's going on. We've just been working this out, and it's it's all been coming together a little bit at a time. Um, we <clears throat> we've got six CDs worth of material. We've released three songs already, you know, as singles. Right? We did we did uh, Go Home, which uh -huh. came out in August and it went to the top of the smooth jazz chart, mm -hmm. still up there. Then we came out with I Lied to the country charts we wanted to see if we get played on country radio yeah and that is currently uh entering the chart this week on the uh, music row it's uh it's in the on deck circle which means just getting ready to chart and then jamming is the second single to smooth jazz came out yesterday it's it, to this week it's the number one most added song at smooth jazz wow. on billboard so we're having great results that's from awesome our, that's awesome. our singles so now what's going to happen? Here's how it's coming together. Outside the Box is the umbrella name of the whole project. The The first CD to come out, physical CD to come out, will come out in March. It's called Jazz Outside the Box. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's about 80 minutes, you know, say 78 minutes worth of, of, say, 13 songs that more lend themselves towards what we call straight-ahead jazz radio format. Gotcha. You know? Okay. Those songs... Uh, I'm working with a jazz radio promoter. She's helped me pick out those songs. So I'm kind of divvying out the stuff by how I can get it played on the radio and how I can promote it because I want people to enjoy it and hear it. And I don't want to just put it all out at once and have no one know about, mm -hmm. you know, it buried. So this is a great, I'm really thrilled about how I'm releasing it. I'm releasing it in four separate batches. So, so that's called Jazz Outside the Box. None of those songs are out yet. Those 13 songs on that, will all drop the same time in March. Mm -hmm. And that'll be physical and digital. That'll go to jazz radio. Then in July, Jammin' Outside the Box will come out, which that CD will include Go Home Jamming, as well as a whole bunch of other material that I call like contemporary R&B jazz. You okay. know, yeah. it's groovy, it's funky. It's the stuff with Chuck, I mean, with um, George Benson and mm -hmm. Sam Horn and yeah. Bill Perry, Alita Adams, all those people. But yeah. it's, it's, it's a ton of great stuff. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's half vocal, half instrumental. Okay, so then now we've got the third one is going to be called Vox Outside the Box. And Vox Outside the Box is all vocal material. It's stuff with Alex. It's stuff with... I have a version of Fame that I did, David Bowie's Fame. I've got... Um, oh, that's cool. I Lied will be on that one. So Vox Outside the Box is all... Oh, I've got a version of Roxanne. It's, it's amazing with Abraham LaBoyle Jr. and Joe Picaro. It starts off jazz and it ends up rock. Holy cow. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so so then so then Vox Outside the Box is the third one. So that's that's really oriented around vocals. There's no instrumentals. It's all vocal stuff. Okay. Um, and then, lastly, it's going to be stretching, out, stretching Outside the Box. That's going to be the double CD. That's going to have all the long versions, all the fusion stuff, Teen Town, the full-length, um, some of the full-length versions. 
um, you know, um, and then there's a whole series of other tracks, instrumental kind of uh, experimental stuff. So it's going to have like double the amount of material and it's going to have, uh, what do you call bonus tracks and things like that. Yeah. So wow. that's, that's pretty much where it's at. So it, it's not going to come out at once. So look for right now, look for everything online. Everything's out digitally. But the first CD will be called jazz outside the box. Great. Okay, we're looking forward to it. That's awesome. Hey, I just have one more question, and you don't have sure. to you don't have to answer. But I'm just thinking about all the time and effort, and all the amazing people you have included on this project. Did this cost you a fortune? Yes, I, that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought it. <laughs> but I that's. Mean, I, it's I just put all my money into this. Yeah, and then not just the recording, but the pr- pr- mixing and mastering, promoting, and we're advertising. But I think it's very important to get the music out to people so they can hear it yeah. you know yeah i just think that's that's so important because um you know you make all this music you want it to be heard so part of the job is is doing all this radio promotion right and um and also doing the you know um advertising and you know so so i'm committed to letting people know about it but um the thing, the thing about um, this whole outside the box concept is, there's really no barriers and no limits. There's some really wacky stuff. When you hear what we've done, how we've treated some of these songs, I mean, it's it's pretty wild. Like some right. of the songs morph. Like they start out as R and B and they end up in a full blown salsa. <laughs> yeah. I've got the whole Zach Brown band. No, I shouldn't say that. I got five guys from Zach Brown on one song. Wow. Got a song I did with the drummer. The original drummer of The Doors, uh, John Dunsmore. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, a wonderful thing with him on song for my father. Wow. Um, I got Paul Schaefer on there, one of my keyboard buddies from New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did this one shuffle song called Shuffling, and I've got, right now I've got four versions of it. I think I'm going to end up with six. One's called Shuffling West Coast. One's called Shuffling East Coast. One's called Shuffling Nashville. And um, one of the versions called Hybrid, I took, Leland Sklar's bass cut in L.A. and put it with Shannon Flores' drums cut in Nashville, and neither of them heard each other, and it sounds like they were playing right next to each other. <laughs> Amazing. I've been getting very experimental. i got to tell you about the Toto song we, we did. Oh, that's right. For Your Love yeah. was from Toto 4. And um, when they did the original demo of that song, I played on the demo, and I did a synth solo, and I came up with some synth parts. And when they did the Total 4 record, they copied a bunch of my stuff onto the record. They replayed it, David and Steve, you know, David Page, Steve Picard. Right. They replayed some of my parts, and I was honored, and I was flattered, but they didn't thank me on the record. Like, there was, my name was not printed on Total 4, but I did have something to do with one of the songs. And I did, and stuff I came up with, you hear it. When you listen to Total 4, you hear my parts. So it's kind of a thing between David and I. It's a kind of an old joke. You know, and they and then they repressed the records. They never added my name and stuff. So as uh, recently, I did an interview about my favorite Toto songs for something in Japan, and I mentioned this song, and we talked. And I said, you know, I'm going to record that song, do my version of it. So I got David Page and myself, and you know, David's like my my co-producer on this, and he and I did an instrumental version of Waiting for Your Love. Are you familiar with that song? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. We did a killer version of it with Vinny on drums, John Pena. It goes in the swing in the middle. 
it goes into full-blown swing like a jazz band. David played organ. I played piano in Rhodes. I got Phil and Gaines to come in and play synth. Wow. I've got um, horns, Tom Scott and Chuck Finley on horns. Um, I got Ray Parker on guitar. Um, this song is just one. Joseph Williams singing. Wow. It's Very really, cool. <clears throat> really, and David is working with me on every step of the way. And he's been quite um, influential on, you know, how we're producing it. But I just had to tell you that story because my parts that I did on the on the original demo, on this record, they're played by the horns, you know. They're like, that's my part. And I have Tom Scott and Chuck Finley playing them. And um, it's wonderful, man. I can't wait for you to hear it. I want to hear it. I do. I want to hear it now. <laughs> Listen, I just looked up your email, and this is what you said. I just listened to the track. Giselle has a nice voice with that quick vibrato. She kind of reminds me of a little of Dolly Parton. I'm not a country fan, especially today's modern country, but this track is reminiscent of, I remember, country being more melodic and has less yeah. electric and not overproduced. Really nice. That's what I said. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> really nice performance all the way around. So, no, you said something really nice. I just, I'm not always good about getting back to people. That's all right. That's okay. Um, well, that, that that version of the Toto song sounds really cool. I mean, just give it, you know, since you mentioned that, since you brought that up, and if you can describe it, tell us the part that we would hear on Toto 4 that, that is yours. That it, it, it's, it's not the solo, is it? It's not the, I mean, that's Deeper Caro's, right? No, they copied. They copied my solo. Oh, okay. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me. Can I play something? Will it go over there? Yeah. Or are let's you... see if this works. Uh, let's see if I can play you a snippet right off of my computer. Okay. See if this comes through. We'll just. I what what are we to... listening to? What are you going to play? Is that coming through? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is my version of Waiting for Your Love. Okay, all right. Preview. It's coming through the computer? Yep. So the horn parts were my original synth parts. Okay. I guess it's just Chuck Finley on flugelhorn. Okay. But I did a different solo on this. I didn't do the same solo I did. But you're talking about the synth solo on the total version? Right. That is what I played, but replayed by David and Steve. Okay. It's Greg on the synth. You recognize it? Oh, absolutely. It's beautiful. <laughs> so David's playing the organ. But you can hear Ray Parker's guitar. You just keep naming more and more people. I know, man. <laughs> it's like a Swiss clock. You know, he just he just locks on to something. Yeah. That's real nice, David. That's cool. Can't wait.
I'll just give you a little teeny more taste so you can see where it goes, and then I'll turn it off. Because it goes into a... Um, So I'm playing the lead on the piano. There's Joe. Yeah, Joseph. The real horn. Good. Watch out. Ah. You dig it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cool, man. Now it's swinging. <laughs> oh, that's hot. Way to go. That's really awesome. So Thanks now for- you know why I call it out outside the box, because everything's like that. It's just yeah. wacky, different musical turns, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Oh, that's, that's great. Really cool. That's awesome. That's great. You only heard it here on Inside Music Cast. There that's you right. go, David. David well, you, know, you, you talked about radio too, and um, I don't know if you know this, but we have a radio station, a streaming radio station, and we play a lot of music from guests who have been on the show, and and music that's you know that we feel that our our, our audience would would dig. So no uh, doubt, which is Inside Music Cast Radio. So if you ever get to the point where you want to uh, you know put that out there, we could certainly play it on the station. Well, uh, then fantastic. So I've been I've been including you on my mailings of the yep. releases. So anything I've sent you, I think I've sent you the first three singles. Yep. Please play them. Yeah, we will. And let me know if there's anything you need from me, uh, you know, liners or sure. any kind, any kind of. I'm always here. Yeah, I'll send you a note. I would like to get a liner from you because we have liners from our artists, or from our guests. Yep, so. that's fine. That'd be great. I'm just saying, I'm one of your guys. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you know, one more quick question before we go, and and uh, tell us about Los Lobotomies and Charisma. How active are you with these two bands these days? Are you guys still uh, you, you're still doing some work with both of those bands? I, I I know Los Lobotomies. I got a note about that recently. Los Lobotomies' new record is almost done. Yeah, it's, uh, it's eight songs, all original, crazy ass, just completely off the charts. Rock instrumental, awesome. uh, low I mean, you, I, I just can't say how difficult some of the music is going to be to perform. It's 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 off the it's off the ledges. Uh, we co-wrote a lot of all the stuff together, and um, that that particular project has a lot of special guest guitar players. Okay, we've got a guy on there, um, uh, Guthrie Govan. We've got uh, Scott Henderson, Joe Bonamassa, Robin Ford, Frank and Molly. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, oh, that's cool. We went a different direction. So here's the brief history. Charisma was always my band, my original band. Yeah. And then, you know, down the road, when Lukather played on the first Charisma record, he wanted to start playing with us live, but he didn't want to play all the original materials. Very complicated. So that's when Los Lobotomies started as a jam band. Right. And it was basically Los Lobotomies was like Charisma but just not playing charisma music. It was basically the same thing, but just playing like Butterfly by Herbie Hancock and, mm-hmm. you know, a few other a few other uh, cover tunes. Like We literally did seven songs, you know, that took three hours, you know, and um, we didn't have very many songs. But then 
over the years, you know, we kept both bands going and then favored lobotomies for a while with Luke and Simon and stuff. But then, and I keep bringing Charisma back, but it's like, we just did a Charisma gig in December. We did the Carlos Vega Memorial Concert. Yeah. I did all Charisma music and I, I assembled an incarnation of Charisma. But the thing about it is, is I would, I would have liked to have kept Charisma as my main group, but I can never get the guys... It's like everybody's like you do one gig and then they're not available for another three years. You know, <laughs> yeah. I finally had to use my own name because I mean, if if I go under my own name, I'm the I'm always going to be there. But it's a different band, so like you, if you have a band, you kind of want to have the same guys, right? The band is five people. You want those five people to be there, right? So it's not by choice. It's just because of our our survival as musicians. Everybody's right, you know, running off like you know. <laughs> I remember one time Vinny and, and Mike Lando went out with Joni Mitchell for eleven months, you know. Wow. Yeah. And so I had to keep I had to keep the band going and I was using I found other guitar players and Carlos was playing. But that's why I've always had multiple members and uh, but but when I but with Los Lobotomies, the, the way it's worked out is Los Lobotomies went a different direction because you know, Luke and Toto, and he's Ringo Starr, and he's got a thousand of his own projects, Nerve Bundles, and right. he's with Carlton, he's with Ed Winter, I mean, he's with Vi. Yeah. I mean, Luke's all over the place, and, and, and you know, he, he kind of outgrew Los Lobotomies. We had a lot of great times together, you know, we're all dear friends and everything, but we we finally decided we we have to break away, and, and you know, he's a tough guy to not to not have on the project because he's, he was such an important member and such a world-class talent but, but we we decided you know let's go a little over to the um, I, I you can't see me i'm moving my hand to the right let's go a different direction <laughs> and um we really like it's a very fresh sound what we've got on this lobotomies that's uh, cool and we tried to get john mclaughlin to play and oh, oh my god he was he was so busy yeah. but uh, i mean i've been reaching out to a lot of people uh to come in and do guest appearances like back to my project I got that Martin Barr to play a solo on one of the songs. What a thrill. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know? And um, Michael McDonald came down and sang on a couple. Very uh, cool. You know, these are guys that I just, um, I'm big fans of theirs. And, um, you know, but I got to tell you, having Abe Jr., yeah. that's one of the greatest drummers around, man. I, I agree. He's just, he he's all feel. I, I saw, you know what, I think, I saw a gig at the at the uh, baked potato, not the not the classic baked, the, the one that they closed. I, it, this goes back maybe twenty years, and Abe was playing um, with Luke, and you might have been up there too. I, I it was one of those just jams at the baked potato, sure. And, and it was the first time I'd ever seen Abe Labroyo Jr. play, and I just I couldn't take my eyes off of him. You know, he had a small little trap kit, and he just he just you could just tell he was just feeling his way through everything, and it was it was he was so awesome to watch. Hey, um, hey, David. Before we go, yeah, um, I wanted to tell you one thing real quick. Uh, the the way I actually discovered Los Lobotomies, and this might yeah. be funny to you, but this goes back to the early '90s, like '91 or '92. You know, this is this is really pre-internet. You know, it was it was you know the way we have it now, the way you can discover music so easily. They, you remember the Toto Legend, which was a, a fan club for Toto? Sure. They had a, uh, a a line that you could call in, and you could listen to. It, it, they would play like a song, like, you know, some sort of, or maybe it was like they're, they, they would play music on this, this phone line. So I would, I called in once and I, and I was, 
listening to the message or whatever, and they were playing this tune, and I had no clue what it was. And 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 it was they were actually playing Los Lobotomies from that first in you know, a live album that you guys did back You're in like eighty seven or something like that. And so I, it was so hard to find information. I don't even know how, remember how I found it, but I scoured. <laughs> Everything to figure out what that was because I wanted that music so badly. It's it's, it's got to oh. exist somewhere, and I think I ended up finally contacting either Lori Stein or Chris Webb at Total Legend somehow, and they told me what it was. And then yeah. I had a hard, then I had a hard time finding it. You know, I had to go through some import place to find it. Right. <laughs> but, but I got it. I got yeah. it. Fine. We eventually made them available through the Total Legend. Yeah. But you're talking about pre-internet days. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that's how I discovered. Uh, Los Lobotomies, because I live in Indianapolis. I didn't know what was going on in the, you know, in the in, a, in the LA scene and that sort of thing. So had no clue. <laughs> it was very underground. It was very underground. Yeah, it was. But I found it and I got it. And I remember uh, in the studio that I worked for, I remember popping it in. We all gathered around and listened to "Smell Yourself." And <laughs> what that's awesome great track. But anyway, I just wanted to tell you that great story. Hey, David, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a fun chat, and it we're has. really excited about your project. Well, thank you so much for your support, and thanks for listening. Yeah, you know, to my music and supporting it. And I'll come on anytime you want, you know, because I, there's so much to talk about, and there's a lot going on here in LA right now. We just rehearsed today for our, we're doing a show tomorrow night with Eric Marienthal and uh-huh. myself. Next week, I got a couple nights uh, for the Nam show, and so there's always something to talk about. Uh, when I say Nam show, I'm not going to be in Anaheim. I'm going right. to be doing it in LA, but. You know, we're always doing something, and um, we really appreciate you guys that support our music and that are interested in it and appreciate it. Hey, when are you coming back to do your Midwest tour, the St. Louis uh, Indy Cleveland thing? Are you doing that? You know, it's going to be there. You know, as soon as this record pops out on the jazz chart, I'm going to be showing up, you know, doing live gigs to support it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we look forward to seeing you. And keep in mind that when the low slobotomy stuff gets. Uh, coming out. Let's do. Let's talk about that too. I'll keep you in the loop. You All know? right. That sounds great. That sounds wonderful, David. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks so much, David. Th- thank you, Rick. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, everyone listening. All right. We'll see you later. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Special thanks to David Garfield for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents: Brian Pearson, Kim Riley, Scott Gross, Mikhail Ingstrom, Don Brightup, Scott Sheriff, Loretta Sassaman, Yinka Oyelese, and Arnaud Legere for the continued support and content development. Inside Musicast is powered by Earshot Audio Post and Cabello Associates. Inside Musicast Radio is back and is playing West Coast, AOR, jazz, pop, and funk, and is streaming now at InsideMusicast.com, TuneIn, or download the free apps for iOS and Android devices. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Musicast and Inside Musicast Radio.